What would happen if a nuclear bomb dropped on Ireland? Or even close to Ireland? Are we prepared? And is there any sort of a plan? Let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Let Me Explain with me, Sean Defoe. We talk about the news, taking a deep dive into one of the big topics of the week every Thursday. So please follow, subscribe and share wherever it is you get your podcasts. This week, we're having a look at Ireland's plans to respond to a nuclear incident. If Russia is provoked by NATO, if Russia is attacked by NATO, I don't know. So we are nuclear power. Why not? That was Dmitry Polonyaski, one of Russia's top diplomats in the United States, speaking to Sky News. And from day one in this war, Vladimir Putin hasn't hesitated to hang the nuclear option over the West, but it took an escalation this week. That's TV host Dmitry Kisilov, and you've probably seen the footage by now, the anchor standing in front of mocked-up images of Ireland and the UK being destroyed by a 500-metre-high tsunami wave caused by a 100-megaton Poseidon missile. Journalist with the Irish Times, Naomi O'Leary, monitors Russian TV and says it's not the first such threat. This is quite deliberate. It was something that was planned to be said. Also, who's saying it is Dmitry Kisilyov. Um, he's a senior propagandist for the Russian state and sometimes he's referred to as Putin's mouthpiece. So this is, this is an insight into the thinking in Moscow. To put what Kisilov said in context, as if half a kilometre high walls of water weren't enough, let's look at the last time one of these bombs was dropped in anger. The second atom bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. A British movie tone report. Most of the city appears to have been obliterated. Four square miles of desolation are reported. The bomb that did that, called Little Boy, had a 15 kiloton payload, or as President Truman put it, 20,000 tonnes of TNT. It is an atomic bomb. It is a harnessing of the basic power of the universe. The force from which the sun draws his power has been loosed. Now the one Mr. Kisilov talked about would be 100,000 kilotons, or 6,666 times more powerful than the one which levelled Hiroshima. Now the idea of a 100 megaton bomb is pretty scary, but not realistic. The Soviets had such a bomb in the 60s and they actually considered it too big to even test. If we did have to don the gas masks, just how bad would it be? If a 100 megaton bomb were dropped over the GPO, for example, everything in Dublin between Ballymun and Dundrum would be vaporised. Most homes would collapse and fires would rip through buildings with huge fatalities in a further blast radius, stretching from Balbriggan to Greystones. Thermal radiation would leave people with third-degree burns in a zone radiating from Dundalk in the north to Mullingar and Leash in the west and as far down as Gorey in Wexford, while glass windows would shatter as far away as Newry. We don't have any capacity to monitor our ocean space or our economic area. This is Senator and Security Analyst Tom Clonan. You know, they're saying to the Brits, you know, your anti-missile shield won't work because we'll do this uh, underwater. Now, I know that there are a lot of people listening to this who will frankly uh, be frightened by this or they may it, it may provoke fear and unease. The chances of this happening are I- extremely small. 
And he's right, it is extremely unlikely that something like this would happen. There are questions, first of all, over whether Russia actually has such a weapon and the submarines to deploy it haven't even been built yet. So this is sabre-rattling and propaganda. And then, of course, there's the concept that's held nuclear powers at bay so far, mutually assured destruction. The fundamental theory is that you have nuclear weapons in order to uh, never have to use them. Here's U.S. Senator Angus King questioning Navy Admiral Charles Richard of the United States Strategic Command. That's 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 what it's all about, isn't it, Admiral? It is, and I have said that before in that um, it's the only weapon system you don't have to pull the trigger on for it to work. The mere destructive potential of the system changes the way people think. It changes the decisions that they make. That's what we mean by we use it every day. Basically, hold a bigger stick than the other guy and hope that no one starts swinging. We now know that the Soviet Union, not content with Dr. Castro's oath of fealty, has decided to transform Cuba into a base for communist aggression. If I told you the government built a bunker after the Cuban Missile Crisis, where would you think it was? Not Dublin, anyway, nor Cork indeed, the real capital. They decided to build it in Athlone. And part of the thinking, reportedly, was Athlone being roughly in the centre of the country, within easy communication reach of most areas in Ireland with the technology they had at the time, and presumably thinking that the East Coast would be the most impacted by any incident. The government had planned a pretty extensive bunker in Athlone, with operations rooms, a message centre, a broadcasting studio and kitchens. And while that didn't go ahead, a less elaborate bunker was built in the town in the basement of Costume Barracks. And indeed, it's still there. If the government had to go there now, it hasn't exactly been kept up to date. It would be sort of like one of the Terminator movies where they go into an old bunker and it's it's all Windows 98s and fax machines. That's, That's what we would be looking at for the running of the country. And a confidential memo planning this state bunker, the one that didn't go ahead for government ministers and senior army members, it said there would be 100,000 gallons of drinking water covered in a way so as to prevent radioactive fallout getting into it. But the memo then went on to say, in order to conserve water, the flushing of the WCs will not be permitted in wartime. So hazardous waste of a different kind, I suppose. But what's the plan if there was a nuclear incident here or somewhere in Europe today? And no, it's not iodine tablets. Your question and the answer to it will be on the my fact sheet, which will be in every home in Ireland. This is one of the most infamous interviews in Irish political history. The late Marion Finucane on RTE, interviewing then Junior Minister Joe Jacob, who had responsibility for nuclear issues. We're now 14 minutes into my warning. Yeah. And all I've, I have got so far is just saying, shelter, get off the bike, get into shelter. Yes, yes. Marianne, uh, Marianne. Don't drink the water. Yes, yes. Take, take your iodine tablet. Yeah, how did I get my iodine tablet? Uh, that will be, that will be uh, in, in the fact sheet when it gets to your, your home, okay? <laughs> no, but you Marianne, tell me, no, you no, have no, the fact sheet Marianne, in front could of I, you. I, I, How do I get my iodine tablet? I'm, I'm, look, first could I say, I, I look, I'm grateful for that intervention you made, 
because we mustn't be alarmistic. Minister, here we are. We're heading now for, we're 15 and a half minutes in. How do I get my iodine tablets? It's written on that fact sheet. Tell me. Yes, yes, you'll get them from the Department of Health and Children and they will be maintaining stocks of these uh, iodine tablets for this purpose. And and How do I get them? The specific, as soon as as, as you need them. The 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 excellent ex, uh, 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 communication process that you and I talked about a few moments ago clicks into gear, and that will and that will say exactly how that is to be done. A year or so later, the Minister for Health and Children, one Michal Martin indeed, began posting iodine tablets to Irish households. They were never used, never sent to people by the government in any other countries, and in 2008, they were shelved by Mary Harney long after many of those tablets had passed their use-by date. And it's not the only time a government advice pamphlet has gone out on nuclear issues. In the 1960s, the Boss Baha, or quite literally translating as life and death, was sent to households in the wake of the Cuban Missile Crisis. People were advised to stock up on two weeks' worth of food with a recommended diet of tinned meat, tinned fruit, tinned vegetables, basically anything that you could tin, and biscuits. People were also told to stock two weeks of fresh water, and there was a lot of advice in this about livestock and dairy cows in particular, saying that they should be brought inside before helpfully reminding farmers that those cows would need to be milked, and then suggesting they build a box in the byre for someone to stay with them. And of course then, not to forget that that person will also need food and water too while they are milking the cows during the nuclear apocalypse. When it comes to what we would do now, the plans mainly focus on what would happen if there was a nuclear accident abroad. The worries over the last two decades, much more about Sellafields than St. Petersburg. And there is a three-phase plan containing the alarm phase, the exposure phase, and then the reaction phase. The very first advice that people will get if something happens, a nuclear attack or a reactor accident abroad, for example, will be... And stay indoors for at least the first 24 to 48 hours. So with the fact from midnight tonight, everybody must stay at home in all circumstances. People in a danger zone will be told not to evacuate as cars offer less protection from radiation. Indeed, the government advice actually says they don't see any scenario in which the eastern seaboard would be abandoned. A website, nuclear.ie, will go live with advice, which will also be broadcast on TV, radio and social media. And then what's called a National Emergency Coordination Group will be set up. And you actually might be familiar with these guys. I chaired a National Emergency Coordination Group which brings together all the state organisations who are involved in response to severe weather events. It's the same crowd that comes together to deal with storms, heavy snow and flooding events, basically nefit for disasters. Government departments will be on the team, along with first responders like Gardaí, the HSE and the Defence Forces. Met Aaron will be asked to forecast where any radioactive debris might be heading on the wind, and the EPA will monitor the impact on the environment. Even the Food Safety Authority will be on this group to give advice about whether you could eat local food or indeed even drink the water. In fact, the emergency planning website says the most significant potential source of a radiation dose would be from eating contaminated food. Finally, after whatever cloud of radiation over Ireland has passed, the reaction phase kicks in, rebuilding what needs to be rebuilt and the constant monitoring of food, water and animals for radiation. In a few moments, the government inspection team will be touring our plant. So look busy and keep your mouth shut. That is all. Very stirring, sir. Uh Uh-oh, here they come. Hold me, Smithers. Okay, men, 
Geiger counters on. Ah, I suppose that's normal background radiation, the kind you'd find in any well-maintained nuclear facility, or for that matter, playgrounds and hospitals. Sorry. Now, look, hopefully this episode and all of those plans are entirely academic and the chances of a nuclear strike on Ireland are vanishingly small, even in the crazy world we now live in. So that's the story with Ireland's contingency plan for a nuclear attack. A nice and cheerful episode today, I thought. Don't forget to catch up on our first episode, Leo and the Leak. It's in your podcast feeds now. And please, if you enjoyed the pod or if you found it interesting, if you learned something new, give a review. Five stars, of course, anything less. Just don't bother. Don't, don't bother your time. If it's not five stars, don't worry about it. Follow or subscribe. Share it far and wide. I'm Sean Defoe. This has been Let Me Explain. Uh, the podcast was written, researched and recorded by myself with John Kyo's editorial eye and Lachlan Hart making things sound great on the audio production side. New episodes every Thursday and I'll chat to you next week.